Welcome to the City on a Hill Church Forest Hills podcast. We exist to see our neighbors from every culture follow Jesus as King. We're glad you're here and thanks for listening. More information about the life and mission of City on a Hill can be found at coahforesthills.org. Good morning, City on a Hill, Jamaica Plain. How's everyone doing today? So I am Antoine Brewster. As was just announced, I am here from Charles River Church. I am the pastoral resident and future pastor of Crossroads Fellowship Church, Dorchester. We're prayerfully looking to launch this coming September. Um, just never know how things are going to go in the middle of a pandemic, but we are walking in faith knowing that God is faithful to the call and the mission. We are looking to start a Bible study as well in April, first through Zoom, and then after it gets warmer outside, looking to move outside so more of the community can say, hey, what's that? What's going on over there? And welcome people of all backgrounds to come and partake of a Bible study. And today, I get to actually have the distinct privilege for the first time to preach on one of my favorite characters in the Bible, outside of Jesus and Paul, uh, David. What I love about David is that he had a true heart for God, but he had a journey that mirrors much of what we go through to get to where we need to. We're gonna face ups and downs, trials and tribulations, good times and bad times. And before I jump into the story of David, looking deeper into the text that we just looked at, I want us to think about the word jealousy and what that means with an illustration, right? So I want to bring into the sports world. I'm a huge sports fan. And anyone, is anyone in here football fans? All right. Next question. Who's a Patriots fan? Okay, good. I thought I have less Patriots fans in here. Awesome. So <laughs> you never know. I go to other, other cities and people are like, boo, Patriots. So we all remember, if you've been watching the Patriots for a long time, Drew Bledsoe. He was the quarterback for the Patriots from 1993 to 2001. 2001 was the stop year for a specific reason. For anyone who saw that game in the 2000-2001 season, he got hit in game two by a defensive back named Mo Lewis, took him out the game, and then this literal, a no-name, Tom, then no-name, now the greatest of all time, Tom Brady comes in, fourth-string quarterback, not even the second, not even the third, he was the fourth guy in line, and he is now the quarterback coming in and he had great success. And as we'll look in the story a little bit deeper in a second, Drew Bledsoe admitted as he is injured, could not return to play at all, even though this was their first Super Bowl winning season. He admitted in an interview with CBS Sports, he said he was bitter towards Tom Brady and he had some jealousy because he wanted to be the guy. He wanted to be the one who was with the Patriots from 1993 up until this point to bring them to a Super Bowl win. He said even took him years for he can actually wear his Super Bowl ring every now and then and just be thankful for winning. And he thinks highly of Tom Brady. He used to invite Tom Brady over to his house. He would always say he's a good kid. He could see him going far. The thing with Tom Brady, for anyone who knew even college sports then, he was ranked like maybe number 14 in the draft. And he didn't even do that well in the actual um, com combine that he had to do. But if you know the Belichick way, it doesn't matter if you're a superstar quarterback or defensive back or whatever. He's going to take these so-called scrubs, the throwaways, and the troublemakers, and he makes them into superstar players within the Patriot system. 
This is the case with Tom Brady. So Drew Bledsoe had a time and a season of bitterness. He didn't do what Saul tried to do to David, (laughs) clearly. So as we actually look forward into the actual text, though, as we just read, Saul had a jealousy towards David. So that's when you look in verse 9, and it said, Saul had eyed David. It's better translated using a few words because this is the verb form of the Hebrew word I, which is ayin. So really, I would say he had a jealous gaze or he had a jealous eye. Now, like if someone gets mad, they're like this, kind of like Al Pacino in, in, that, in that funny movie I'm referring to. So I got my eye on you. That's kind of what Saul was towards David. He had a jealous gaze. But this, this just didn't happen out of nowhere, though. Clearly, that had to be a time period of things that led to Saul having this kind of feeling of angst and bitterness and jealousy towards David. And like any good movie, you get to this point and you stop. You guys are probably wondering how you got here, right? So let's rewind. <laughs> if, if anyone remembers the movie Ant-Man, there was a character named Luis. He was a character who's like, oh, I remember the story. And he'll go back and he'll narrate the story with his own voice, even with the actual actors. I love that part of the movie. That's kind of what I want to do right now so we can have an understanding as to why is Saul so angry, so bitter, so jealous towards David. They even chucked a spear at him and tried to set him up. If you go back to 1 Samuel chapter 10, Israel demands a king. And Samuel is saying to God, like, God, you're the king. Why have they rejected me as their prophet? That's when God's like, I believe God's like, Sam, listen, they're rejecting me, not you. I am their king, but any king that I will give them has to have a heart towards me. And essentially, um, Samuel receives instructions from the Lord saying, you must give the people this warning, though, that if you have a king, this is the kind of structure he'll set up. This is the kind of tenth he'll demand for the agriculture and taxes and other things like that. So Samuel goes forth to the people. And once again, before he approves, he's like, here's what the Lord told me a king will do. He'll send your men off to war. He'll demand a certain amount of money and even of the crop. He'll have certain um, women of the country be those who make clothing for him and the people in the palace and everything. And they said, hey, man, we want a king. That's what we asked for, right? Deliver. So he said, all right going to give you a king, but it will be someone that who's, has God's heart in mind. So God usually, as we see throughout the pattern of scripture, chooses those who are the least of these, and he chooses Saul. Saul is from the tribe of Benjamin, which is the smallest tribe in all of Israel, and they're usually the least considered because we know the history from Judges and what happened with that. Yeah, most of the tribes in Israel aren't rocking with the tribe of Benjamin all that much. But God in his sovereignty and just how he does things, once again, he takes the least of these and uses these kind of people so that he will get the maximum glory. So Saul is anointed, trained up, has a heart change, and sent out for the Lord and was king over Israel for 42 years. Saul did some great things, as we will see throughout the text. But then Saul had messed up a couple of times to the point where the Lord was like, you know what? You fear people. You rather go your own way and not be fully obedient. 
So therefore, I reject you as king. He didn't break up the covenant. Keep that in mind. God did not break the covenant so much, but he rejected him as king. He said, when the time comes, I will raise someone else up, this being David, who will be for me because his heart will be for me. So then, of course, we see Samuel going to uh, Jerusalem to where a man named Jesse lives. All of his sons that he first saw were taller, older, stronger, more mature. But he's like, this is not it. God is not saying any of these guys are the guy. David was the guy, though he was only a kid at this point. Tending sheep, you know, so he said, go bring him forward. And he said, yes, this is the guy. And he pours oil over him, which symbolizes God's spirit um, covering David. And David is the chosen future king. He doesn't become king until future, as you guys will see as you keep going through the book of Samuel. So David, then in another instance, we see some time forward, defeats Goliath. As you guys, I'm pretty sure you already read, they were scared of Goliath. His historian said he had to at least be nine feet tall. But David's like, who is this guy, this uncircumcised Philistine, talking about the Lord? He's like, nah, I'm not having that. So Saul tried to send him out in his armor. It's like, this isn't me. I need to go out as who I am if I'm going to do this for the Lord. And he slings one stone into his forehead, defeats him, wins the battle, and from that day on, people looked at David differently. Like, who is this? Oh, that's the son of Jesse. And it was from that day on, you see in chapter 17, that Saul says, now you will stay with me in my living quarters going forward. And this is where we are now, as we just read in chapter 18, verses 5 through 17, that no matter what David did, he had success. Everything he did was for God's glory. He had God in mind first. His heart was always towards the Lord, no matter what he did, no matter if it was a battle, if he's, it's a, it's a lyre, but better translated, a harp is what he played, um, to worship the Lord and just do that in his own time, so on and so forth. And as we already read, I'm not going to reread the text, but Saul would see these things. He looked at his own failure where he messed up. He knew that, man, I should have followed the Lord fully. I shouldn't have kept King Agag alive. I shouldn't have took that cattle and tried to say to the Lord, hey, these were for a sacrifice. And the Lord told him, no, what's your obedience? Not a sacrifice. I didn't ask for that. So Saul, instead of repenting, instead of being humble, he's looking at David jealously. And isn't that funny how it usually is, right? When we get jealous of other people, it's because we're inadequate in some area. We feel insecure or we're coveting. We want something they have or possess that we don't have at the moment, which is very interesting. Whereas David, on the other hand, chosen of God, anointed by the prophet Samuel, he just wants to do... God's business at the end of the day. I have to look at myself in this situation. I have to ask myself as I was preparing a sermon, have I ever been jealous of other people in some way or shape or form? I'm like, yes, I have. <laughs> you know, unfortunately. I remember when I was in grad school, for example, and it took me 10 years. I went part-time and worked full-time in finance. Anyone who works in finance, you know, especially this time of the year, you're doing long hours. So I would take classes when I can, and also I paid out of pocket so I wouldn't incur any more debt. So that was the other part of the reason it took me that long. But I had many friends who was graduating before me. I'm not going to lie. 
I was jealous of them graduating before me. Like, I wanted to graduate in 2012. It took me to 2018 to finish. You know, I felt a certain, I felt a certain way. Almost twice, almost quit Gordon Conwell. I'm not going to lie. I almost quit twice. It took other people to convince me, don't quit and don't transfer to another school where you might start all over again. You know, all your, all your classes and credits might not transfer over. I mean, I'm also a DJ, so I would see other DJs getting certain bookings or shows, but I'm like, but I've been DJing and promoting people for years, and I would get looked over. And then I have to think about it. What am I saying? <laughs> the Lord has you in a certain place for a certain time, so don't be concerned about what those other people are doing, but I'm not going to lie. Once again, I felt a sense of jealousy. I feel like I'm being overlooked how come I'm not being considered? What's the key word in all this? I. And, you know, that's not where you want to be. If you start saying I, 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 and everything, including in terms of being jealous, you know you're already in the wrong place. So I recognize that harboring all of that jealousy made me bitter at times, made me depressed, even unmotivated, and even a, a pessimist. But in reality, I'm more of an optimist in my prime so I can be transformed. See what I did there? You know, because being a pessimist, just it isn't worth it. It can stop you from having the right perspective. If I'm not having the right perspective with God in mind, I need to repent and turn away from those jealous feelings and avert my eyes from other people and back onto the Lord. And I'm going to ask you, have you ever harbored feelings of jealousy towards other people? Did that jealousy become a stumbling block for you? Did it even blind you from what you need to be doing and being on the right course? Have you ever been jealous towards someone, um, like even right now? And is it eating away at you? Does it bother you, right? The reality is, though you, if you are in that place and you're jealous of other people for whatever reason, the reality is they are living their lives. They may not even know that you're jealous. And let's be honest, that will bother you all the more. Who are you eyeing with a jealous gaze? when it hurts you more at the end than it does them. Are you okay with being in that place of jealousy? The answer is no, none of us should be okay with being in that place. God certainly does not desire that you or I be jealous of other people or where they are. Because let's look at the character that Jesus had. Jesus walked in humility. He obeyed all of the commandments that the Father gave him. He walked blameless. There was nothing you can say that he did. He was without blame. But also, he was in one accord with the Father. Never once did we see Jesus jealous of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, because in their day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were the top teachers of the law. Though they split on certain things, they were still the top uh, sections of teachers that day, but Jesus didn't covet the Pharisees or the Sadducees. He knew who he was, and he challenged them with where they were in error, because at the end of the day, he wanted them to repent for being this example. You need to be in the right place with God, but he didn't covet their position at all, and never was, was Jesus even jealous that the disciples would continue on the mission and that he would ascend into heaven. In Matthew chapter 28, gave them the great commission to continue forth the gospel. But we see rather Jesus is in heaven interceding on our behalf, not complaining to the Father like, send me back, send me back. I can do better than them. We don't see that. 
Not once was Jesus jealous, bitter, or enraged. From what we can see in scripture, he doesn't even have any shortcomings. He doesn't fail, can't lie, does not sin. He is perfect, he's holy. But rather, God has this kind of jealousy. It's a divine jealousy. We see it in the Ten Commandments, the first commandment of having no other idols before the Lord, for he is a jealous God. So he's jealous for us, not towards us. This is why it's called a divine jealousy. We even see Paul in 1 Corinthians, uh, no, 2 Corinthians verse 11 and 2, where Paul says he is jealous for the people of Corinth. He doesn't want them to be given over to idols and false gods. Rather, he wants them to go after God and to know God and to love him. This is the same thing God wants for us towards him because we are in his image, in his likeness. We are to be one with the Lord through Christ Jesus. So he's jealous for us and commands us to not go towards things, whether it's money, career, um, other people, Whatever it may be, as a modern-day idol, God's like, no, I want you for me. So he's zealous for us. And then thinking about all this, about who God is, his character, his nature, his patience, his love, his holiness, I had to look at myself, and I realized this is the same attitude that I must take on. I cannot look to others and have a jealousy towards them. That's destructive. It's self-serving and it's life-destroying. You know, Jesus is the true vine. We are the branches. When you're connected to the branch, you have life. I need to be jealous for my brothers and sisters in the Lord, not jealousy towards them. In other words, I need to be concerned and vigilant for each of we need to be vigilant for one another for the sake of our souls. Ephesians 4 talks about that. I don't want to see anyone fall into temptation away from the Lord. I don't want to see any harm come to anyone, spiritual or physical. I also don't want to see anyone worship false gods or empty things or putting their all into things. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart is. May the Lord be your treasure on this day and going forward. And for us as a collective, for all of us together, we should want to see one another living for God to the fullest extent. Because there will be times we will look upon others and we have feelings of jealousy towards them. Those things can develop. But such a viewpoint, once again, is fruitless and it has no end. For all of us, we must realize that people will get promoted but we cannot compare ourselves to them being jealous that they got that job promotion. When our friends get married, a single people shouldn't be jealous of those who are getting married. In other words, like Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, remain in the place that you are and be obedient to remain in that place until you are in that, into that next season. Don't sit there wondering, well, when will my person come? You're single right now, relax. <laughs> Your season will come. Be encouraged in the Lord. You know, when someone gets a new car or a new house, don't, for example, have a jealous heart because they have a better car than you or you don't have a car at all or they have a house and you're still renting and you try to be petty and be like, well, you spent a lot of money on that. At least I have more money in my pocket. Not the right attitude to have. You know, we can't allow these feelings of insecurities and inadequacy and fears and other kind of desires lead us to bitterness and jealousy because God commands us not to covet anything that our neighbor has. 
in Saul's case, he coveted God's favor upon David and the position that David now has as the future king of Israel. Though he was king, he knew God rejected him because of his own disobedience, because of his own failures to follow the Lord's instructions and not having the right heart towards God. That leads to my first teaching point. I want you guys to, if you're taking notes or just in your hearing, do not be a Saul, be a David. Do not be a Saul, be a David. Saul did not do as God instructed him fully. This led to his own ruin because he feared people. Imagine if we walk like that. We walk in a way where we don't put our focus on God. We don't have a reverence for him. Rather, we fear what people will think about us, what they will say about us. And it stops us short from being obedient fully to what the Lord wants us to do, bringing us, bringing us to our own ruin, to our own stop in life. And then we look back at our lives in our older age and we're filled with regret. It's not worth it. It is better for us to be humble to own our mistakes, to repent and get up and grow and mature in hindsight and know that there's no one to blame <laughs> other than when we fall short and we can't blame others leading to jealousy. Point two, what is in your hand already? Saul didn't look at where he, need, where he was in the blessing of where he was. Rather, he looked at what was not in his hand and he looked jealously at what was in David's hand. David was faithful to God while tending the sheep and he was content with that. So when God called him and anointed him to be king by sovereign's God decree, because we know that Jesus comes from the line of David, because David was promised that his throne will reign forever. So when David was then king, he was also faithful to operate in that. So short, we know that, you know, you guys will look at that more to keep going through the life of David. But nonetheless, God even, I mean, David, even at the end of his life, wanted to be faithful to God. And he looked at what was in his hand. He didn't look at what anyone else had. What is it, what is it that you have in your hand already that you need to be faithful to God with? That is, what is it that you need to focus on and be obedient with in this season? Do not be like Saul who took his eyes off of God and he then put them onto, jealous, um, onto David jealously. Point three, do not allow a jealous gaze to become a bitter root. I'll repeat that. Do not allow a jealous gaze to become a bitter root. The book of Hebrews in chapter 12 and verse 15 warns us to ensure that no one falls short of God's grace to the point that no root of bitterness springs up, which causes trouble and will defile many. Think about it. When, you have a, when you're in a place where you know people who are bitter, Unfortunately, they also became very toxic, hard to be around at times because they allowed hurting and jealousy and fear and insecurity to get to the point where they cannot be around anyone. As the scripture says, they'll cause trouble for many and like the common phrase goes, hurt people, hurt people. That's like the whole thing of defile to like not to like make dirty, to not like if you're in a good place, but then you're around this person, that's you don't love them, but it could put you in a different place where now you're mean, you're bitter. And you know, I think each of us maybe have experienced that in our lives, whether it's a coworker, someone at school, family member, we still love them, 
But it's like, man, bitterness, that's not a good place to be. Saul's jealousy and fear for David led him to plot in vain against David as a rival. You saw that clearly when he put him as captain of, the, of over a thousand men to go out in war. Saul was hoping that David would fall, that he would be defeated. But every time, David would have success. His comings and goings, he would be successful for the Lord and for the nation of Israel. We must walk in a place where we are in self-control, being watchful of our own actions, being honest with ourselves, and plus being honest and accountable to others at all times. Because let's be honest, the word says the enemy sits at our door seeking whom he may devour, trying to set us up in a snare. Do not let bitterness out of jealousy become a snare in your life. Here's another illustration to kind of wrap all this up together. Think about it. Um, If someone you knew got a new car, my dream car is like a BMW or a Camaro. I do want to come out to my next car. Let's say someone gets it, and it's like the 2020 model, you know, it's self-driving. Let's say it can go into space. I don't know, being silly. But, you know, let's say this car is like the most amazing car. You're looking at your car. You have to, like, let it warm up for like an hour. You know, the back bumper keeps falling off, not realizing, yeah, it may be a broken-down car, but it gets you from point A to point B. So why are you taking your hands off of and your eyes off of what you already have, blessed by the Lord to have. You're looking at this person with, let's say they're like your friend even, but they're no longer friend or a rival. It's like, it's like, you're mad they have this car. You're like, man, why do they have a better car than me? Well, it could just be their position in life. It could just be where they are financially. It could be a number of things. Maybe they want in a price is right. I don't know, but they have a better car than you. But now you're like, I have a plan. I'm going to get their car, and I'm going to sell it. I'm going to do something to destroy it. And at the end of the day, you probably, let's say, they purposely want to be like thinking they're an action star, right? They drive the car, jump out, the car destroyed, it rolls over. Out of your jealousy, you're happy. Their car is destroyed, but then you're now hurt. (laughs) You know, you might get charges against you. They're now without a car. They're dealing with all kinds of insurance stuff. They might have to go to court. So out of your jealousy for them having this car, or not anymore, you took your eyes off of the Lord. You didn't look at what you already was blessed with in your hands and what you already had to do, and you allowed bitterness to become a, a bitter root for you. They're without. Now you're dealing with these consequences. That's what Saul's case was. He was disobedient to the Lord. He feared people before he recognized who God was. He took his eyes off of God. Now here is David, the one that the Lord told Saul through Samuel, the prophet Samuel, this is the one I'm going to choose. This is the man whose heart is for me. Saul knew all these things, but he still chose to be jealous of David. And it would lead ultimately to his own ruin in a very tragic scene that you guys will see. I don't want to spoil the movie. No spoilers here. So be a David. Do not be a Saul. Do not walk with a jealous gaze. Rather, keep your eyes on the Lord at all times. Amen? Amen. Thank you. Thank you.